Hello, a little word of warning that this podcast contains swears and use of explicit sexual language. Therefore, it is not suitable for anyone under the age of 18. Or anyone who thinks that swinging is done in a park. Hello all and welcome back to the Smut Drop. This is, of course, a weekly roundup to the more eccentric side of sex and relationships from metro.co.uk. I'm Miranda Kane and on this week's show I'll be looking at International Swingers Day, chatting to an expert on how you can open up your relationship and dipping into my fun bags for tales of what happened when you had threesomes, foursomes and moresomes. If you like what you hear then please rate, review subscribe do that wherever you get your finest of podcasts and i hope you're ready because i have got my hands full hello listeners well you may have noticed that today i am talking about all things being open open minds open hearts open relationships and yeah open legs <laughs> <laughs> that is because the second Saturday in August represents International Swingers Day. So, this is a day which started off amongst local swingers but has become a weekend to host parties, conventions, and celebrations of all kinds of people within the non monogamous lifestyle. Uh, it was promoted by a thing called Lifestyle Magazine back in the day, and this was a magazine that celebrated all things swingers. And I recently saw a copy of it from 2003. And let me tell you, you can smell the pampas grass and the baby oil oozing off it. It's brilliant. And one of the features I loved was a very practical guide on how a single man can conduct himself in a swingers club. Now, okay, this is going to be about 20 years old, but I think the rules still stand. So it's written by a person called Barbie Lee. I don't know if that's a, a he or a they or a her, but whoever you are, please get in touch because I love this guide. And they say that a way for a single chap to get invited to the private parties, which, come on, is <laughs> where you really want to start at, uh, says that it's good to start at the swingers club and she or they or he gives their advice on how to start approaching people. So the first thing to remember is that in clubs the same members visit again and again and they get to know each other so if you offend someone then the word is quickly going to spread alternatively if you're pleasant and the couple enjoys your company whether that's sexual or otherwise then they're going to be eager to introduce you to their friends Ooh, uh, you're going to have a much better time at a party if you check your macho attitude at the door you don't want to be one of those guys who's standing in front wearing a towel and waiting for someone to perform for them which I think is great advice not just for swingers but for life again in the case of couples if you're a single bloke make sure you introduce yourself to both the husband and the wife do not approach the lady when her husband is not present otherwise when the husband comes back and you know he will he is not going to be happy to see you uh oh <laughs> I love this one <laughs> don't insult a member's intelligence with the statement my wife wanted me to come here first to uh yeah check it out by myself so uh I'll come back with her next time but how about you and I have a play now apparently and this was even 20 years ago apparently every swinger has heard that line over and over again you might as well say you are here to cheat on your wife while she's at church I love this that's great advice Barbie 
Guys, there are over 20 nuggets of golden information like this. And of course, the golden rule, which is explained again and again in a lot of them, is that no means no. You can find a copy of Lifestyle magazine, and I highly recommend you do, on Scribes. Of course, swinging isn't the only way you can open up your relationship. But however you're thinking of doing it, remember to put your rules and boundaries in place first. Need some advice on what those should be? Then let's go and get some from this week's guest. Ladies and gentlemen, gays and theys, this week's guest has spent two decades studying and reimagining what love can be if we open our imaginations to just that possibility. She's a research psychologist, relationships professor, and a best-selling author. It's Dr. Jolie Hamilton. Hello. Hello, hello. It's so, so nice to be here chatting with you. Oh, we are absolutely delighted to have you. That intro, I'm like, yeah, we get to get into it. <laughs> we get to talk, for real. Yes. Um, so this is something that I know comes up a lot, even just in conversation with friends. And so I think this is something that people are really fascinated by. And it's coming more and more into the mainstream, opening up a relationship. And there's so many different... First of all, let's get the language right. Okay, so we've got open relationship, ethical non-monogamy. What's the best terminology that you'd like to go for? Oh, it's a great question because it's so varied depending on the community you live in and how you put meaning behind those words. Mm. So possibly the most common word that we hear is right now, consensual non-monogamy. However, even that term, you know, people push back and say, well, wait a minute, why do we need to, why do we need to predicate non-monogamy with consensual? Does that mean that it somehow we should assume that it's often not? It's, it's really a monogamous lens. So whenever you hear somebody describing anything from polyamory to swinging to polysexuality to multi-amory or ambiamory or ethical non-monogamy, all of it, ask them what they mean. Ask them what it means to them. And if you do that, you're off on the right track because really everybody's going to have their own meaning that they've assigned it. And the first step of all great relationships is getting clear on your terms, just like writing a good research. <laughs> so what are your terms? So I usually go by polyamorous. Um, and that's mm -hmm. because I really, I believe I have always been in my personal self, able to fall in love with more than one person, able to maintain loving connections to more than one person whether I'm behaving in a monogamous sexual way, right? Having one commitment of sexuality or romanticness. Love is love is love. And it will just have its way with me. That is what I have found. So polyamory is this frisky conglomeration of Latin and Greek, right? Meaning many loves. And so mm -hmm. it describes for me what I do. I fall in love. I live in love. And for other people, something that's more formal, something like ethical non-monogamy or consensual non-monogamy helps them say, I'm open and we need to really define our terms because that's, those are big umbrellas, right? So mm. it really is person to person, but I'm a polyamorous person. What happened first? You found through the research that you were polyamorous or was it through polyamory that you wanted to do the research? It was definitely the second one. And it was because I screwed up <laughs> every single thing you possibly could. I, no. oh yeah, every single thing. I teach this. I write on it. I am a qualitative researcher. I do interpretative phenomenological analysis on jealousy and polyamory and monogamy because I screwed it up in every way. And so 
I went to the books. I Because it was a disaster, I needed help. I couldn't find, we didn't have podcasts like this doing like great shows, encapsulating big ideas. So yeah, I got, you know, three, almost four. Now I'm on my last class for my fourth psychology degree. And I'm also a certified sex educator. And all of that was in the aim of understanding how to do these complex relationships better. Yeah. And what I found is all relationships deserve to be better. So it really doesn't matter to me anymore. Now I'm relationship agnostic. But the mess came first for me, then the research. (laughs) (laughs) What's relationship agnostic? I have to ask. That means I really believe that relationships can and should be built by and for the people that are in them. Oh, uh, yes. So if monogamy is working for you, if you're like, yeah, this works, this makes sense, my heart, soul, mind, body all feel held in this, and you're well matched Mm -hmm. to a partner who that's true for too, awesome. I will celebrate that till the cows come home. But if you want something more, I also want to be available for that. I want to be available for the conversation that says, what happens if you explore beyond? Because I really believe everybody is creating a a unique version of relationship. Mm. But usually we ask monogamy to just kind of hold what all the meaning for us. And we're like, okay, we just know what we're doing. Are we committed? Cool. Then we're just, we're doing the thing. And we make a whole Mm. bunch of assumptions and those assumptions they form what in the research I would call your ontological ground. They're they're the perspective, the place you stand and you say, this is what's right. And this is how the world is. And this is what we know about the world. And we ask monogamy to do that, most of us. What exactly are the, the rules you follow? What How do you check in about that? How do you let that grow and change as things happen in your life? If you're doing that, I don't care how many people you're sleeping with, you're doing it well. That's such a good point because we always hear about, oh, what are your rules when it comes to polyamory and open relationships? What are the rules there? But we don't hear about that within monogamy. We don't hear about monogamous relationships having rules. You you make agreements. It's just, did you make them explicit or were you just relying on an understanding, Mm, as it were. I really love, because you put on your website, I read the phrase, custom-built relationships. I think that's such a good way of seeing it, rather rather than going, well, I want um, this person, that person. It's like, what do I want in in my relationships? Exactly, exactly. And then they can grow and change as you grow and change. Mm. Because just because I'm polyamorous, that doesn't always mean that I have a ton of lovers. Mm. Sometimes that means, well, philosophically, during the pandemic... I didn't have other lovers because we had closed up very tightly. We weren't going to the grocery store and I hadn't been seeing anybody before that. I was in a little, I was in a little slump. And so we were like, yeah, this is not the time. Mm. So it's not about lovers. It's about mindset. It's about philosophy. It's about the commitment to openness. Now I'm back to dating. Now it's also about a lot of lovers, but. (laughs) (laughs) And spreadsheets, I can imagine. and (laughs) Google calendar, man. I need it. (laughs) That I kind of take heart from that. It shows that you're putting the effort in to make this work rather than just like, oh, this is just a shag, right? Right, right. And, you know, if people are polysexual, say, like swingers was like the common term, right? Like mm. swing, and a lot of people still use that word, but I'm finding Gen Z and millennials in particular, they're just not 
real keen on that word. So Mm. polysexual is another way to talk about that. Like I want to have multiple sexual connections, but they may have limits that they place on what they're available for emotionally, right? These may be people who have have pre-decided that they're not emotionally available or even that they're not available for friendship with Mm. the people that they're fucking around with. Like, what do you think comes first for you and for and for your clients as well? Is it is it the relationship style or is it the the person? Oh, you know, one of the mistakes that I see clients make is one that I made when I was first starting. The inspiration for my moving toward polyamory was a specific person, or really to get really more specific, my imagination of what this person was and how I wanted them and what I wanted from them, right? This imagined future that sort of sprung into life all in like a very tight, like a neutron star had dropped on me. And (laughs) when I see my clients do this, like a person has now appeared and now they're fixated on, I want that. Wait, but I love this life I've made. That usually does cause a whole host of problems, but one of the biggest ones is now you have to learn the skills, the vocabulary, the the moves of open relating, and you've got your sights set on this, this vision of another person. And what you're doing generally, and this is what I did, is you're moving in a monogamous mindset. Your imagination is sort of imagining these, these dual monogamies almost. Right. Mm. And so from there, that can be a really tough spot. And a lot of times that first relationship doesn't work out because it's sort of the proving ground where you find out what, what the heck is even going on. And so on the other hand, another way to do that is to say, oh, you know what? I'm, I have like an open door in my mind. Clearly I'm scanning Mm. out there and I'm a little bit available for the idea of more. Bing, bing, bing. That's your sign that now is a good time to find out what open relating is and how it might look so that you can do those thought experiments. So you can have those conversations before you fixated on a specific person. And you can do this in a way that co-creates, especially with a a partner in your life already, co-creates the future Mm. in a way that feels good for both of you. Yeah, I think a lot of times, um, well, certainly for like in dating apps in the UK at the moment, where there's there's so many people that are on the dating apps, and the first thing they say is, "Oh, I'm looking for a, a non-monogamous. Re- I'm looking for an open relationship." Yep. And you can, and they can be totally single anyway, not have anyone else on the go. But it's like they they're closing themselves off to to anything. Yep. And it, it can be a bit off-putting. Right. I don't know, like, I'm totally fine for, like, you know, polyamory, non-monogamy, but it's like I'd, I'd also, I, I sort of more weigh up the situation with the person. Right. If you see yeah, so I mean. that's ambi-amorous, right? So somebody, somebody who feels, like, right in their center, they're like, I could actually be happy either in monogamy or in polyamory, potentially, mm. depending on the situation. Great. I would say, in fact, that's probably a vast majority of humans because we're really humans are great at adapting. We're fantastic mm. at adapting. So if everything were different, everything might be different. I found myself, you know, in a relationship where all of a sudden polyamory just made a lot of sense and it could fit my world. And from here, I feel very comfortable claiming my polyamory. But I could imagine a version of me that is more in that in between. And what I hear you saying is what, at least what I see on the dating apps in the U.S. is people say um, non-monogamy or open to non-monogamy, but often they've never actually practiced it. They just want to be 
dating. What they want yes. is to be out there dating and they don't want to get locked down. Like, oh my gosh, I started talking to you. So I can't talk to anyone else. We're using that word to mean what dating used to mean. Like there was a time yes. before you were in a committed relationship and we just called it dating. I think in my parents' generation, they called it going with. Oh, are you going with yeah. her? Are you going with her? Going steady. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. And we could just call that dating. You're allowed to date more than one person. It's after the define the relationship talk where the guidelines about what do you do with other people? Where are you exclusive? But we're skipping that. And it might be just that really we're asking an algorithm to do the work that conversations used to do. Oh, that is such a good point, isn't it? All the algorithms and everything. Well, let's let's start with the conversation. So let's start with how would someone, if someone's in a relationship already, I think this must be the most burning question of all. So if you're in a relationship and you want to open it up, where do you start the conversation? Yeah, so the, the unique road in, it's going to be a little different for everyone, but what I'm seeing be very successful for people is starting early in the process with exposure to a podcast, a film representation, or even a salacious story in the news, starting conversations from the position of like, wow, this open relating thing is like, it's really, it's everywhere right now. And starting the conversation with, I'm, I'm finding myself curious. I don't know that that's something I want, but could we talk about talking about it? Could we talk about like what that even is and just start to learn about it together? Not because I necessarily want to open yet. I have, I don't even know what that is, but wow, I just keep finding my attention is pulled into these stories. And I don't want that to come along and give us a gut punch in our relationship. Could we just start talking mm. about this? And often I'll say, yeah, from there, have your partner you know, listen to what I have a podcast called Project Relationship, like have them listen to something like that. Have them watch um, a particularly good representation. There are roads in that aren't, hey, let's sit down and negotiate open relating. You can start yeah. really from the imagination into like, well, what if we explored this together? In fact, that's my favorite time. I think of myself as somebody who sells parachutes. And I like to talk to people while they're down on the ground, looking at a variety of planes that they might consider getting into and they might consider jumping out of. What happens is a lot of people don't ever talk to somebody out in the world, like talk to a therapist, a coach, until they've already jumped out of a plane with no parachute and they have no idea what's going on. <laughs> And by then it's too late. <laughs> it's not ideal. Staring at the ground coming towards coming them. Coming fast, fast, fast. <laughs> I mean, I know we've talked a lot, but is there uh, like certain signs to show what kind of couples would be ready to, to step into this? Like I know we've done, you know, what to look out for if you're not, but right. what about if you are? Yeah. So one step is... Um, I made this as clear as I possibly could. I actually made a quiz for people so that they could understand where they are. Dr. Jolie Hamilton, where can they find the quiz? It's nice and easy. It's joliequiz.com, J-O-L-I-Q-U-I-Z. Brilliant. I designed it out of my research because what I noticed is people assume that I'm going to try to tell them, yes, everyone can be polyamorous. Everybody should jump in. This is the best way to relate. Uh-uh, not my jam. Some people aren't in a good spot for a lot of those reasons we talked about, but some people just, they don't want it. And the quiz can actually help you determine if you could do this happily or 
if you have other foundational pieces of your relationship that would be better places for you to spend your energy. Everybody has just so much energy to spend every day. Where are you going to spend your energy? So in the quiz, it's just 10 questions, but it just walks you through a bunch of questions that will help me understand and then and then help you understand. Yeah, where should I spend that energy? One of the one of the things to look out for is am I committed to growth? Because if I am, then anything is possible. Even if I am in the middle of one of those major life transitions. I certainly was when I started. I was absolutely in the middle of two big life transitions. And that made it rougher. It made the entry rougher, but I was committed to growth, which made it possible to stay with it for the long haul. Oh, yeah. I think, you know, it's, it's not just about that. Am I ready for a relationship? It's am I ready for growth? Am I ready to learn? Am I ready for yeah. all of these things? Um, what about if you're single and you know that you don't want a monogamous relationship, but say I'm that person writing that dating profile, but I don't want to come across as a fuck yeah. boy? What? Well, you know what? It's almost like you need to learn the language because if when I'm reading profiles, I date a lot. When I'm reading profiles, especially of cisgender men, the thing, because I, I'm mm. pansexual, so I date everybody. Um, when I'm reading them, what I'm looking for is people who can demonstrate through the way they talk about their their life, not just what they want, not like I am looking for this and they have like three bullet points of what they want. They're great. Uh, Good for you. It's, yeah. As my grandma said, it's nice to want things. Good job. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but how do they talk about their life? Do they talk about things in a way that makes it clear to me that they are willing to wrestle with complications, with complexity? Do they embrace philosophical discussions? Do they embrace multiplicity and like having more than one thing be true at the same time? Because if I can see that in their profile, then honestly, if even if they're not sure, even if they're right at the beginning of their exploration, then I'm like, yep, we can do this. We can, because we can at least go on these dates and enjoy the process of talking about it. And if you don't know, if you don't know how to do that, if you don't know how to talk like that, good, then it's time for you to get on the syllabus. Start the reading, mm. start paying attention to the groups without trying to date first. Dating doesn't need to come first. Remember, you're not in the plane. You're not, you haven't jumped out yet. So you have all this time to learn about what you need to do. You have as much time as it takes. And that doesn't mean you need to take no action. One of the primary ways you can practice great open relating is have multiple friends and balance those needs. What's really the difference between a close friendship and a romantic friendship? Mm. Like really get right down to it. So practice that. You, you can do all of this beforehand. So if you, if you do that, writing your dating profile, easy peasy. You talk right from your center of self and you, and you name the world that you, you live in. You just describe it. We can see it. <laughs> Those of us who've been around, we, we know it when we see it. <laughs> Yeah, I love, that's the problem. So many, I'm just going to give you a rant. I'm sorry, Jolie. Go for but it. <laughs> so many people on these dating sites, I think they just, they get it wrong. They say what they want, but they give nothing about what they bring to the table. Right. And it's like, I can sit and scream how much I want online about how much I want a Cornetto. But in order to get that Cornetto, I have to get a job. I have to get the money. I have to walk to the shops. I have to buy the Cornetto. Do you know what I mean? Like yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Yes. It's, it's just not, I mean, it, from a marketing perspective, I've been in business my whole adult life from a marketing perspective. 
that in it. That is not yeah. how we do that. I tell my clients, my prospective clients, how, what they will get, what I'm bringing to the table, what they will get out of working with me. When I'm dating, I do the same thing. Here's what I'm bringing. And I also expose, like, so I have seven teenagers. That mm. is no joke. Wow. That is, that is no joke. That means that sometimes I'm going to wind up with a last minute change of plans because all of yeah. a sudden I need to go get this one from college or take this. Stuff happens. <laughs> so I also expose that part of myself. I share with them who I am. And for some people, that's perfect. Like I have had people respond with, wow, you aren't actually as available as what I'm used to. I'm used to women wanting all of it. I'm not available for that. I have a really full life. So some people are like, awesome. That's amazing. That's perfect. That's exactly what I'm looking for. So it's about being vulnerable enough to actually show what you bring to the table and trusting that the universe really will deliver people who are are well fit for you because that's it. That's all it takes. You're not going to get what you want unless you know what you want. Right. And you make yourself that the person who is the answer to that. Yeah. I've spent years becoming this person and now it's easy to attract the people that I want because I put the work into myself. I could keep on going, but I'm going to have to wrap it. If there was a mantra, if someone's thinking about this and you had one rule that you could skywrite, you could put on a t-shirt, pop on a badge, what would it be? This is it. This is my North Star. It is what guides my relationship. It is what guides my anchor partnership, especially. And it's the one that I introduce to people. It's this. I am committed to your growth and to my growth more than I'm committed to my temporary comfort. Brilliant. You've thought about that one, haven't you? That's, a on, a, that's on a bump. Yeah. Sticker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the thing. <laughs> if people want to find out more about your amazing work, where can they find you? Well, the easiest place, I mean, go get the quiz, take the quiz, joliequiz.com, absolutely. But then follow me. I'm on TikTok and Instagram, talking about jealousy, talking about non-monogamy. You can find me at, at drjolie underscore Hamilton. Brilliant. Thank you so much for joining me today. That was amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. Jolie Hamilton there. Oh my God. So look, I know people in polyamorous relationships. I know people in non-monogamous relationships. And no matter how much I learn, there is still something new. And going through... Dr. Jo Lee there, like she was still blowing my mind with new things, new facts, new ways to come at it, new things to think about. And I love what she was saying about it. It's, it's about your growth. And, and if you're not willing to learn about that, then maybe you're not ready for one of these kind of relationships. But if you are, then absolutely good luck. And I, I think it's something that I'm so pleased to see is coming into the mainstream. And I, I really am glad that you're listening to this because hopefully you're learning something from it. And, and maybe it's because you want to try your own um, ethical non-monogamy or your own polyamorous relationship. And if you are, you can go and find more from Dr. Jo Lee. Uh, it's spelled J-O-L-I Hamilton. Uh, and she's got her own podcast and everything. All right, let's move on to our listener stories. 
Last week, I asked you to send me your stories of what happened when you opened your relationships to threesomes, foursomes and moresomes. Oh, and what a dip into the fun bags it's been. Paul from Enfield, who I love that he's just signed it off with who he is and where he's from. Absolutely no anonymity needed in this one. Uh, he emailed to say, I was at a house party for New Year's Eve when I was a lot younger. I took a load of drugs and started chatting to two gorgeous women. One was single and one had a boyfriend but they all invited me for a foursome in the room upstairs but it turned out I'd taken a bit too much of the old Colombian talc (laughs) Colombian talc (laughs) and I couldn't get it up gutted he said he's never had the opportunity again and still thinks about what could have been there you go kids don't do drugs (laughs) Uh, now someone who does wish to remain anonymous uh, slid into my dms on instagram to say i'm part of a polycule now if you don't know polycule is where you might have a boyfriend a girlfriend they might have their own boyfriends and girlfriends so lots of different partners um and all in one kind of nice little polycule really Anyway, Anonymous says, I'm part of a polycule and it's been life-changing. Maybe it's because I'm neurodivergent, but I really enjoy having different partners I can go to for different feelings, adventures and emotions. Jealousy still hits me hard sometimes, but I know I just have to put my big girl pants on and talk to them about it to navigate our way through it. But it's been great for my self-confidence and my mental health. Highly recommend. Oh, I love that. I love that after what we've been talking about, that someone is still saying, yeah, jealousy, you can say, you can be in this polycule, you can be in whatever relationship you want to be, but jealousy is still going to be something that you need to navigate your way through. Oh, and Vicky with an I, she's contacted me on Twitter to say, a date took me to a well-known sauna in Kentish Town once. (laughs) I know the one. (laughs) And she says, I loved it because I was getting all of the attention. He didn't talk to me after that. (laughs) Sometimes the worst thing about getting what you want is getting what you always wanted, isn't it? Oh, dear. Well, Vicky, I'm glad you had a fun time. Uh, Next week, I'm going to be chatting to an expert who helps middle-aged men discover their desirability. Because, let's face it, if anyone needs a little help in the desirability apartment... So I want your tales of middle-aged madness. Has someone shaved a few years off their dating profile? Maybe they got a bit liberal with the filters. Maybe you've tried the sugar baby or sugar daddy lifestyle. Tell me all about it. Slide into my DMs. Just look out for Miranda Kane on Twitter, TikTok and Instagram or email smutdrop at metro.co.uk. And remember, you can always send me a voice note we love those too and if you want to hear the ones we love remember to keep subscribing to the smut drop podcast i've been miranda kane smut drop was produced by pineapple audio production for metro.co.uk if you're enjoying this weekly money shot in the ears then please leave me a nice review in the meantime i'm going to be back to prick up your ears next week (laughs) 